0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Lollapalooza and other music festivals, the Obama Presidential Center, Soldier Field, with or without the Bears, and even NASCAR. There is a lot happening or planned for Chicago's expansive parklands, but is it too much? Well, this weekend, we're going to talk with the head of an organization that works to ask and answer such questions. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is Juanita Irizarry, the executive director of the group Friends of the Parks. It's an advocacy group that's been a leading voice in Chicago for parks and for more park lands. She's had that job since 2015. Juanita has worked also in the past for the Chicago Community Trust, a foundation that we've talked a lot about on this program, as well as for other nonprofit organizations. She is a lifelong humble park resident and even ran for older person at one point. I've forgotten that. Anyway, Juanita Urisari, welcome back.
1: Thanks so much. It's good to be here.
0: Well, let's first talk a little bit about what Friends of the Park is, uh, uh, because it's been a while since you and I have spoken. Uh, It it seems, uh, you know, for better or worse, uh, the only times when most people hear about the organization is when it's in the news and usually because you're saying no to something. Uh, But it's way more than that, right? (laughs)
1: That's right. People get that impression. And I often have conversations about what the media is interested in is often not the things that we're doing day to day, just working in community to help residents engage around their parks.
0: Well, let's talk about what is some of the the things that that Friends of the Parks does.
1: Sure. You know, our mission is to inspire, equip, and mobilize a diverse Chicago to ensure uh, an equitable park system for a healthy Chicago. And so, you know, there's 600 parks and play lots across the city. And obviously a small organization like ours, though we do punch above our weight, cannot keep our eyes on all 600 parks, right? So we're always trying to find ways to inspire and support residents who are trying to figure out how to make sure their play lot or park is safe and clean and getting the investment that it needs, no matter where that is in Chicago, but our energy is really day to day are very focused on the west side and south side in communities where there's not as likely to be as much money pouring in to support those things. And so how can we help make sure that there's an equitable emphasis and investment in those communities?
0: Juanita, overall, is Chicago getting better about some of these things? It seems as if the city is requiring more developers to uh, include or consider green spaces than it may have in the past. Mm-hmm.
1: I think there are some things going well in some communities. Um, we still find that there's often not enough park space per capita in many of the bigger real estate developments. Um, and then, even when there is green space involved, we have concerns about whether, if it's privately owned, it's really going to stay open to everyone. So, for example, I'm on the Lincoln Yards Community Advisory Committee. Uh, because we've pushed so hard to say that green space that is envisioned there really should be public park land. And having it continually owned by Sterling Bay doesn't necessarily ensure that if a group of Black kids decide to come have a party there, they're not going to get kicked out, right? You know, I mean, honestly, even if it's Chicago Park District land, we still have concerns about that. But there's more likelihood that there's some public accountability around these spaces being available to everyone um, if it's truly owned by the public.
0: Well, Well, let's let's talk a little bit about a particular park that's been getting an awful lot of attention. That would be Grant Park. Uh, yes. It's a park that seems designed for gatherings and crowds. Uh, if there's any park in Chicago that, uh, that's that way, that is it. So many activities are staged in and around it. Um, how do you feel about how those things are balanced?
1: That's very interesting timing because just this week we were part of the very first meeting kicking off a new Grant Park Framework Plan process. And we had conversations about these very things. First of all, you know, how much is Grant Park for tourists versus local residents? And that actually goes back to some of what I just mentioned about how there's been actually a lot of residential development downtown without enough new park space and green space to go with it. So we get a lot of residents saying, I can't even walk my dog in the park it's fenced off all the time for all these big concerts and even nonprofit charity, you know, 401k, 501, 5k. uh, It's often blocked off for charity events and 5 k's and things like that. So local residents don't have good access to Grant Park a lot of the time. However, there's also the question of whether everyone is policed the same way when they use the parks. And so we certainly had conversations about, you know, do we treat, St. Patrick's Day revelers the same way that we treat maybe a group of African-American kids coming down on a Friday night. Right. So we do have real questions about what does it mean for parks to be democratic spaces and to truly be uh, open to all of us.
0: Um, Let's talk about the one of the big headlines, and that's uh, the plans for NASCAR doing its first street race uh in its history uh and it would occur in chicago around grant park Um, how concerned are you about that Uh, obviously as is the case for something like Lollapalooza, parks the park is shut off for for regular folks but nascar is uh, is very different
1: Yes, of the parks is very concerned that this doesn't seem like the right kind of use uh, for our, our public parks and our downtown streets. Um, we also know that the museums in the parks have concerns about the impact on their operations, uh, both in terms of people being able to get to the, the museums, which are nonprofits and have budgets that you know require people to come in and pay an entrance fee. Also, There are concerns about the vibrations um, that will impact the collections, for example, at the Art Institute, right? Additionally, the Grant Park is gonna be shut off for a long time for NASCAR and a long time for uh, Lollapalooza, right? And and summer events, there's gonna be a lot of Grant Park shut off too, because just the average person wanting to take a walk in the park, and we find that to be also very problematic. I will add a lot of people say to us, friends of the parks, why don't you sue over this NASCAR thing? And the reality is there are not legal levers to stop everything that we don't like, right? The the legal maneuvers we've been able to do to stop development are very specifically related to building a building on land that is protected by the Lakefront Protection Ordinance. That is not the same thing as a temporary event. And so sometimes folks, you know, get frustrated at us that they don't think we're doing enough, but it's really about doing advocacy and speaking out and pushing our elected officials.
0: And and I think you, you made the point earlier, you at least raised the point earlier, that sometimes it's about being on advisory boards or being at the table while the plans, specific plans are being drawn up. And our group or is your group or are groups like yours involved in talking about uh, what happens with something like NASCAR? You said that, you know, there's a new advisory committee.
1: Yeah, in the case of NASCAR in particular and Lollapalooza, I would say, a lot of that seems to be driven at this point by the mayor's office and is happening very quickly. Um, And even on issues that are actually Chicago Park District issues, which the Chicago Park District is actually a separate governmental authority and has its own power, Um, the mayor is pushing some of these decisions and not the superintendent of the park district or the board of the park district. So sometimes we get invited to the table by the mayor, sometimes we get invited to the table by the park district, sometimes we're able to be behind the scenes, asking questions or trying to help them think through things well, and other times it's happening at warp speed. <laughs> and, and we all hear about it in the news. Um, even sometimes when I ask park district staff about it, we've all heard about it in the news before they've even heard about it, so.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, things like Lollapalooza and other, other festivals and some of them not at uh, Grant Park. Mm-hmm. Is that a good use for the park? Something like a Lollapalooza? Again, like I said, you, you've got band shells and things there. You, 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 it's meant to have music, but is it a good use as long as there's cleanup and maintenance?
1: Your Friends of the Parks does not have a position that says there should never be a concert in a park. You know, we do think there are times when it makes sense, and there are probably other times when it's not the right scope and scale. Uh, for a particular park. Um, We also, you know, hear from communities sometimes that we would love to have a community-generated, culturally relevant part, you know, concert in our community, but this, you know, mega festival that's coming to our community is really not for our community, it's for other people, and so it, it, it feels like too much of a burden to bear, especially when it's not for us, right? Or the prices are too high for our community. So we think there are a bunch of considerations. Uh, Also, you know, we seem to see that the setup and tear down for things like Lollapalooza and Riot Fest have gotten slower over the last few years. There's been less accountability to make sure that those gates come down as soon as possible. Um, And then there's wear and tear that is happening to parks that were really not built for festivals, right? So you have parks where the trucks are actually parking on tennis courts, right? (laughs) We have places that could be reinforced where you expect that there will be stages set up, right? So Milwaukee, for example, has a dedicated festival ground, right? And, And that might be a good thing for Chicago. We also think that a concert in a park might not be a bad thing, but if that concert ruins the soccer fields or the baseball fields and the people who are already paid to be part of a league that uses those fields are then displaced somewhere else, it's unfair to those users who also paid for their use, right? So there's these competing considerations that you know have to be sorted through. And that's part of why we do think that it might be a good time for Chicago to think about how reuse of Soldier Field might speak into this issue as the Bears seem to be leaving town. Um, how do we create maybe a more de- dedicated festival space somewhere that relieves communities and baseball fields and soccer fields of these burdens? Uh,
0: let me ask you a quick question before we uh, we travel south to the museum campus. Uh, uh, Alderman Brendan Riley uh, this week uh, proposed an ordinance that would Give the city council more control over big events, uh, it sets up some triggers, uh, whether it's how long it would take to set up or where it is, how many people would be affected, more than 10,000 attendees. What do you think of that as an idea? And is city council control necessarily enough and responsive enough?
1: Yeah. I think this is really important that there have been and continue to be conversations with aldermen, some of which we've been a part of to try to figure out where they can have some say in what's happening in the park district land. Again, the park district is itself a separate government entity. And we do find some aldermen saying, Hey, hands off. That's not my problem. We're not in charge of the parks, but other aldermen saying, wait a minute, that park and it's use very much is important to the health and safety of my community. So I do want to be engaged in the park. The streets going through parks and around parks do not belong to the park district. And the policing that often comes to bear on big events is controlled by the city of Chicago. So we've had a number of aldermen say, if I'm going to be required to vote on a budget for a police department, or city costs for streets that relates to events in the park, then I should have some way to speak into what's happening in the park. We think that's true. We think those things need to be talked about and we do support the idea that there should be more thought process both by the Chicago Park District Board of Commissioners and by Alderman about the impact of large events like events over 10,000, which is also a proposal at uh, the Park District as well.
0: Well, I want to uh, start talking a little bit about the museum campus. The city is, as you pointed out, entertaining completely new visions for the museum campus, uh, which utilizes park district property in a great deal. Um, Are you satisfied with how things are proceeding up to now? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about engaging the community.
1: (laughs) You know, we were glad to be invited to be on the mayor's museum campus working group. We knew uh, when we were invited to that space it would be complicated um, because there are certainly different interests involved there and we heard during that process that even the older people whose neighborhoods were impacted were not brought to the table, you know, so there are lots of folks who feel like decisions were made or visions cast by the mayor that did not include enough other voices, right? So these things are happening very fast, um, and probably partly because it's election season, I would say. Um, But, you know, we think it's a good time to be thinking about um, a a new vision for the museum campus in light of, you know, the Bears probably leaving Soldier Field in light of changes that need to happen with McCormick Place. Um, We do not always agree with the process or the mayor's approach, um, but we are excited about the chance to really revisit commitments that were made in the past to turn some of the parking lots there into green space. Um, Some of that was actually committed to by Mayor Daly. Um, and never got done. So we're super excited that, you know, our fight to keep the Lucas Museum off the parking lot, even though people call us friends of the parking lot as a result, (laughs) this is that moment that we can turn some of those parking lots into a beautifully rewilded area, right? Or into a festival grounds that is much more green than it currently is. And that also has more permeable surfaces and more, up to the minute technology that allows it to be green, but also potentially use it for different, you know, types of events, right? So we're excited about that. You know, we're super excited about the request for information that's out right now for the performing place, um, the Lakeside Center. Um, And certainly some of our stakeholder base would love to see that building torn down altogether and just have, you know, Just green space there, Uh, assuming that may not be the case, we're very uh, excited to continue conversations about what could be done to reuse that building in a way that makes it much more oriented towards the lake, rather than kind of its back to the lake and a big wall between, you know, east, west and north south. Um, So it's a really exciting time actually. Um, and though people will throw d- darts at us along the way, we're super happy uh, to be at the table to imagine how we, we really use that reimagining of the lakefront um, to, to come up with something all new that 10, 20 years from now we'll all be super excited uh, about.
0: You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore and we are talking with Juanita Irisari, Executive Director of Friends of the Park. Well, let's move even further south to uh, another place where the uh, Friends of the Park's voice has been heard, and that's the Obama Center. I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty safe to say the fight is over about where the Obama Center is going to go. But uh, uh, how are you feeling and what are the organization's concerns about what is happening now and what happens next?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for bringing that up, because, you know, even just this week, It was misspoken or or missuggested, as it often is, that Friends of the Parks fought the Obama Center. Um, Often folks think that we are Protect Our Parks, which is the group that actually filed the lawsuit. Friends of the Parks and Protect Our Parks have nothing to do with one another. And so we always want to say, make sure you know who you're talking about. You can criticize our positions, but please be clear that we have different positions (laughs) than Protect Our Parks. Um, We have always from the beginning thought the best spot for the Obama Center would have been on vacant land across the street from Washington Park, and that that would have been better in terms of just using vacant land and actually brought more economic development to the west end of the midway Plaza and Washington Park rather than the east end where we think it's already got a little bit more advantage in terms of economic development. Um, That said, it was clear to us from the beginning that there's not a lawsuit to be won because the Obama center as it is being built is on land that is not protected by the public trust doctrine or the lakefront protection ordinance and we made that decision very early on that we would not pursue a legal strategy so those who have done that are not us <laughs> and we decided that we would just fight for the 19.3 acres that is being taken up in Jackson Park to be replaced by other park land in communities around Jackson Park that need more green space. So, you know, if you live in Woodlawn very close to Jackson Park, you may feel like you have enough green space. But if you live further west in Woodlawn, it might be a pretty long haul to get to, you know, even a little playground, you know, to take the kids, you know, on a swing set and a big enough space to throw a frisbee or play a game of baseball. Um, So our agenda continues to be, How do we encourage the city to be looking at all the neighborhoods around uh, Jackson Park for opportunities to create new pocket parks, to replace some of the amenities that are being displaced uh, by the Obama Center um, and really talk to the communities about what they need because Friends of the Parks doesn't think we should tell the neighborhood what the right amenities are, but we do think that this is a great opportunity to put that green space in neighborhood parks. I will also say this is one of those examples of where we have been working behind the scenes, Um, though our name is also often called up as the enemy of the Obama Center. (laughs) We've had quite a bit of relationship with them behind the scenes in consulting, putting our thoughts on the table, and we have sat on a handful of different committees in the community um including those that really want more affordable housing in relation to this whole deal in order to prevent displacement and we do agree if you're you know investing in a park in a great way for a neighborhood the people who live there now ought to get to enjoy that investment right so um we've engaged in that space in ways that most people probably don't understand um and it will continue to be complicated but you know our agenda continues to be how do we get more green
0: space in the neighborhoods around uh, Jackson Park. Well, and it does still mean that the voices are being heard, if not heeded. Uh, so, right. <laughs> okay, let's, let's look <laughs> north a little bit. Uh, the North Branch of the Chicago River. Yes. Uh, a Casino may be coming to that yeah. area, mm-hmm. but uh, there've been some plans for quite a while for more parks and such along that stretch. So what's happening and what should be happening there?
1: Yeah, well, one of the big questions Friends of the Parks keeps asking is, is the city of Chicago currently even remembering that there are river design guidelines that were created actually under the Emanuel administration very much with the leadership of the Friends of the Chicago River? And I will say we have often just, not tried to butt into that space because the Friends of the Chicago River, you know, is a great advocate in working on what does it mean to help bring that river to life in a way that both nature and people can engage it kind of in a post-industrial way. Um, But we have got pulled to the table around some specific park development opportunities and gotten more engaged. And, you know, part of what we see along with the Friends of the Chicago River is that there's a lot of plans to build concrete, paths you know where a boat can pull up for recreation to eat at a restaurant or to go into a casino and not enough abiding by the existing guidelines that call for more natural river edge development right and so kind of we're always pushing for um hearkening back to those actual guidelines that were created to think about a more natural edge um, and so think about it, you know, for the sake of the birds, for the sake of humans, for the sake of ecology, for the sake of stormwater management in an area where we're recognizing now that climate change is meaning we're having, you know, more rising water levels and more flooding, right? So how do we make sure we take this opportunity to develop whatever things we're gonna develop, whether it's a casino, whether it's the 78, you know, whether it's the Lincoln Yards, How do we make sure that that development is really forward thinking in terms of climate change and creates again enough park space for the density of whatever the uses are that we're putting there. Right, and that we don't take put a new casino in with no green space and then expect the neighbors across the way where there is a public park to have that public park carry all the burden of the casino visitors, right? Without having created enough new green space to go with the casino, right? So those are the things we're always poking at people about.
0: Uh, I don't want to uh, let this conversation end without talking about uh, uh, something I know is is important to you, and that's the parks in the neighborhoods. We've been talking yes. about stuff that's in heavy population, well, all of these are heavy population centers, but what is happening that's good in the neighborhoods? And and what are the things, uh, what are the red flags you see out there?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we did come out in late 2018 with our State of the Parks report, where we really kind of, you know, called out the Chicago Park District for not enough investment in African-American and Latino communities. And, you know, per the data at that time, um, the Latino community actually had the least acreage and the least capital investment and African-American communities had the least programming, right? Um, It's five years later now. Um, And so we are looking at where those things may have changed. And I will say there are some things that are improving. Um, There have been some important acquisitions by the park district for more acreage and communities that need more park acreage, but it takes a long time to develop those parks. So it'll be a good while before the public actually sees a nice park with a park bench and all those sports fields and things that that are needed, but we think that's good. Um, We have seen a different spirit and sentiment with the brand new park district superintendent, Rosa Escareño, who seems to really hear that message in a different way than previous leadership and is trying to get out there and understand better um, kind of what Communities are saying about the investment needed in their communities. Um, There is also some money flowing right now from um, the American recovery plan from the pandemic, as well as some bonus dollars that the park district just got, like $60 million from the state, that they are now looking at how to invest those dollars. And they use the words equity. uh, when, you know, the word equity when they talk about it, they're thinking about what it means to. You know, fix up field houses in neighborhoods where field houses are crumbling. Um, fix uh, water fountains that are um, have lead. You know, in in their piping, um, they are thinking, they are planning, in fact, to do that and to um, put Wi-Fi in. I think sixty parks uh, and field houses, so that you could sit in a park and access your Wi-Fi if you don't have your own Wi-Fi. Right. So there are some things that we've been talking with them about behind the scenes that they're working on. Um, many of us still in our communities, you know, experience ball fields that are, you know, need to be redone. I mean, there's a lot of work to do, um, but I think I'll say that we're a bit hopeful and that the new park district board of commissioners that has new leadership now as well, um, seems to also be saying that they, they this talk about equity is the right conversation to be happening. And and let's figure out how to implement a framework. Because the Park District of Chicago does not have a written framework for equity like some other cities and their park districts have. So we've been saying, let's write it down so we can all measure how you're doing.
0: And very quickly, what has the reception been for that idea of creating that? I I, I would think Rosa Escareña would not be opposed to something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not hearing no, you know, <laughs> figuring out how to do it, you know, is part of the question. Um, but both the, the just like, you know, a week or so ago, I had that conversation with Rosca Rosa and Park District Board members. And, and what we're hearing is yes, let's talk about, you know, what that means and let's look at examples. So we hope that it really does move forward.
0: Thank you. That is Juanita Iri Sari. She is the executive director of Friends of the Parks. Thanks for spending the half hour with me. This has been enlightening as well as fun. Uh, for, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage, and you can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM.